Hello and welcome, fellow humans on the journey. My name is Grady Milligan, and you're listening to the To and From Podcast, a record of process and transformation through creative and intentional living. Through this podcast, I want to hold safe space for thoughts, questions, tears, and laughter, and to create one more little stage for collective story. So thank you for listening. I hope that we can grow together in the tension and beauty of who we are and who we're becoming. It is a delight to have you here with me on today's episode of the To and From podcast. And I want to start today kind of right off the bat by saying, I hope you are doing okay. If you are like me, maybe the last couple of weeks have been sort of a new wave of difficult mental and emotional health battles. I know for me, my anxiety and depression have been flaring pretty hard. I I feel like I may have started the quarantines with maybe a little bit more of a hopeful attitude, maybe some higher energy to make the most of it and create and just try to keep up encouraging both others and also myself. But for me, it has just felt like a real difficult few days or maybe the last week and a half uh, more than any other time amidst all of this crisis. So maybe you're there, maybe you're doing okay right now, but had some really difficult earlier weeks, whatever you might be going through and whatever space you might be feeling internally right now. I just want to say every week that I hope I can be there for you as many of you have been there for me. So please feel free anytime throughout all of what we are going through to send me a message, send me a text, give me a call. I I would love to check in and just keep trying to stay hopeful with one another because I know I know I've needed it so so dearly. Now, on to today's episode, which I hope will be some kind of encouragement and good entertainment during all of this. Today's interview features Crispin Schroeder, who is a fantastic musician and songwriter, as well as just wonderful human being in the New Orleans area. I was fortunate enough to meet Crispin years ago at a songwriting conference in which he was one of the instructors and kind of experienced songwriters that was brought on to encourage folks, and since then I have enjoyed listening to his albums and the way he sings and plays, and listening to his podcast. You can check out Crispin's show, The Extra Crispy Podcast. It's on all the places you stream, and there will be links in this episode in the show notes as well. I think you will be delighted by the way Crispin thinks and the way he creates music. His original songs are full of so much of that New Orleans spirit and influence and mix of genres. It's really, really excellent. Crispin and I had so much fun talking, in fact, that we went way longer than expected, so we're going to break up this interview into these next episodes. In the first chunk of our talk, we got into topics such as how music affects the brain, how we want to be people more interested in questions than answers, and we even spent time talking about a children's book that Crispin got to create, as well as his songwriting practices, a whole bunch of stuff 
stuff, even just in the first half of this interview. So I think you are really going to enjoy that. You'll also hear an original tune of Crispin's in the episode. It's a new tune called Everybody Knows the King Has No Clothes. And you can now stream this on Spotify and everywhere you stream music. It's been released since we talked. I'll also have a link to that in the show notes as well. Please don't forget how much it helps artists like Crispin to follow them on Spotify and the other streaming apps. I hope you will do that. And while I'm thinking about it, thank you to any of you that have left ratings or reviews of the To and From podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can do so. It helps share this show and to increase the rating and maybe bring people in that wouldn't have otherwise checked out this program. So that means the world to me. As always, thank you so much to the supporters on patreon.com slash Grady Milligan. It is so incredible that you have chosen to directly support my creative work and sustainability. And it is my delight to try to create content and give it directly to you as the patrons. So thank you so much for making this show and so many other things possible. So let's get into this, the first part of my conversation with Crispin Schroeder. Thank you for listening. Okay, uh, now I'll actually start and not distract myself. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be awesome. Crispin, thank you for letting me talk to you. This is going to be real cool. I'm glad we are on FaceTime so I can actually see your face. We're smiling. You've got a tasty beer. Things uh, things can feel slightly normal in yes. the middle of the end of the world. Um, and so if folks haven't met you before, Crispin, can we get just a little of kind of an introduction to who you are? You know, I like I know some of your story. I've listened to your music. But if folks have never met you before, how would you kind of introduce a little bit of the Crispin story? Mm, wow. Gee, where to begin? Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up out in um, Midland, Texas, it's okay. West Texas, um, and I started playing music when I was about eight years old. My my aunt gave us a piano, this old antique upright piano, and okay. we lived out in the country. And it's kind of like if you ever saw the movie No Country for Old Men. It's okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it was filmed right out there, so it's oh, that really? kind okay. of uh, that kind of scene. Um, and I was an only child, so I really kind of stumbled into music out of out of boredom you know okay like, interesting <laughs> i didn't have any brothers or sisters and we're out in the middle of the nowhere and uh so i would just i took some lessons for about four years but i would just sit yeah. at the piano and kind of get lost in that um i've actually got a, a song on my latest album called fly on a melody that's kind of about the gift that music is as kind yeah. of a portal into transcendence and you know being able to lift you beyond your circumstances and and that's you yeah. know that's really been i started playing when i was about eight years old and then uh yeah. by the time i was probably about 13 or 14 i recorded my first song my dad's best friend from college was a musician up in denver had a studio and we visited yeah. him and he and i just learned some uh, the pentatonic scale and how to play a little bit of blues. And I wrote my first blues song. Uh, That's really rad. Oh yeah. Especially yeah. that young. That's so cool <laughs> to record a song that young. That's nuts, man. Although I knew nothing about blues at the time, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I, the song was called the mean old woman blues. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know much about women or mean women at that point, but uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> so, 
Sure, not a lot of blues yeah. as your 13-year-old self. Okay, I got Yeah, you. so I, 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 but immediately, you know, that was one of those experiences that was just uh, going in the studio, and it was just it was just me with the piano singing and playing. It wasn't like multi-track or anything, but like from that first time of getting in the studio, I was just like, this, this is what I want to do, you know, and I... I mean, really throughout even high school and stuff, I just felt like high school was so pointless because I was just like, I just want to play rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, you and already stuff. knew what you wanted to do. You're <laughs> like, I just need to be writing songs and getting in a studio. Why yes. am I here doing this? I oh, gotcha. But I did I did graduate high school, thankfully. But uh, so most of my high school experience, you know, and, and even shortly after high school was just the whole, or, or, or my, my small version of, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of thing. And then, sure, right. Then when I was about 20... You know, I'd gone to church when I was a kid, but I, I, I got into a pretty desperate place, got uh, got jumped in front of my apartment, got my jaw oh, wow. broken. and um, Oh, dang. Oh, that's one, intense. Oh, my one, gosh. Yeah. And uh, and I was working in a – I'm probably giving way too much biographical information. No, I love uh, this. I love this, man. <laughs> hey, the world's ending. We're sitting comfortably in chairs. We've that's got right. all the time in the world. <laughs> I'll drink to that. I don't have anything else to do right now. So I know. Yeah. This will be a this will be a three hour podcast. Um and then we'll get to the questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I I'd kind of got to a pretty desperate place. I was feeling like, you know, even creatively and stuff, like Sure. Just just really struggling with depression and stuff. And so I kind of had this um the first time in, in many years that I'd actually prayed a prayer and I, I you know so I, I had this I kind of returned to my faith at that moment, you know, just in my living room uh, I gotcha. with a fifth of whiskey and stuff. And, and, um, <laughs> sure. and so it was a real kind of not in church, but I ended up, uh, you know, shortly after that getting in church and I moved out of, I moved to Dallas briefly and then ended up about a year later in, uh, Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana, um, which is like the opposite of where I grew up. But I was I was I was in my early twenties, very much into I was I was part of like this college ministry and stuff, and okay, and, I gotcha, um, yeah, and you know, doing doing very much like evangelical, ready to win the world for uh, Jesus and stuff. But I had quite sure, a, quite sure. a lot of issues. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I've I've had this all that to say, kind of my adult life since I've been about twenty. I've kind of I've I've lived in kind of two worlds. One is the world of music and. Um, and the other, you know, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time working in the church world up even until recently. Um, yeah, yeah. we started a church about 10 years ago here in, in, in Covington, which is just a couple of miles down the road and, and this area, you know, all across the lake from new Orleans. And, um, yeah. and it's, it was, a it's been a really good experience, you know, as far as like, uh, I just felt like going into it, like, I'm not trying to be like some big flashy thing or, you know, like, like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm pastoring this thing. We're going to, so we've always been a kind of an eclectic bunch of people there. Uh, sure. And, okay. and, and even the music is a lot more kind of rootsy new Orleans kind of, uh, as one friend of mine put it, you know, booty shaking music. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, well, cause the thing is like, I've heard, you know, even, even your, uh, you know, however someone would call it churchy songs, songs mm -hmm. for worship songs for those spaces, or at least inspired by those spaces, uh, what you're saying, you know, I can attest as someone who's listened to it, it yeah. very much is, it doesn't sound like what people 
might stereotypically or even in kind of a cringy way immediately assume church yeah. music is going to sound like there's a lot of your well like you said the two worlds you've lived in yeah. culminating and just being you in both spaces so there's a lot of that jazz sound there's a yeah. lot of the place that you love its music and has formed your music so much showing up even in even in those kind of more church centric songs so that's that's actually a kind of a cool i think testament to sort of the life you've lived in those spaces kind of coming together that way well yeah and that's that's been a i think it's been a really interesting thing because i mean the the whole time i've been a pastor i've also been a professional musician so i'm, I'm yeah I'm, you know we, our church has a, a bar on the other other side of the wall from us and some nights there have been saturday nights where i'm playing a gig next door and then sunday <laughs> right. morning i'm doing the, the thing uh you just wheel the piano <laughs> around right. the door into the back of the next door. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know, the the thing I love about, I mean, as a musician, you know, going from a place, there, there, there's a lot of good music that has come out of uh, West Texas, you know, um, you know, songwriters and stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, even going back to like Buddy Holly and uh, sure. some Texas songwriters like Joe Ely, there, there's a lot of good stuff that's come out of there, but... I got to tell you, living down in New Orleans is yeah, is for real. Just, I mean, it's particularly as a as a piano. You know, piano is my my first instrument, but it is just uh, it it's hard to describe to people that have never visited here. Um, just the melting pot of everything from you know blues and jazz, uh, yeah, uh, funk, gospel, zydeco. Cajun, uh, even and and even in this area where I live, there's a, a pretty good um, bluegrass roots music scene. So it's like, okay, all this stuff is kind of merging together. And if you're going to be a pr- professional musician down here, you and 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 actually play gigs with other people, um, which <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you some nights you're playing country, some nights you're playing jazz, some nights you're playing blues, sometimes you're playing southern rock or whatever. Sure, yeah. I mean, where's the gig and who's paying the gig? <laughs> yeah, who's paying? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's one of those. But I love that, you know, because I'm I'm just, uh, you know, I my my uh, taste in music is kind of all over the place. Um, yeah, and I I definitely you know no for me like I I think music is such a as I said, you know, this window into transcendence and truth and beauty and yeah, yeah. it's, it's this universal language. And I, I think part of my frustration in my journey as a pastor is that I, I don't regret my, my times in the church. I'm still involved in the church. I, you know, I, I, I think the church has a lot to offer and, and some needed things. You know, I'm not one of these people that, you know, I've, I've definitely got um, my opinions about some, some of the, sure the downside and destructive things I've seen in church. But I, I think, you know, having faith and religion, I think that that's really good. But I do also find as an artist that there's been this restless restlessness within me for years that it's like, yeah. you know, you're expected to, I, I mean, even in terms of songs that get sung in a church on a Sunday morning, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's its own genre now to where it's like, okay, you need a, sure. you need a big chorus that you can sing 10 times and you need, you know, like, Yeah, it's kind of that thing I was referencing earlier where when I say church music or worship music or something like that, there there is often an expectation of exactly what that thing is. And with obvious exceptions, because there's quality music happening anywhere, even when you don't expect it. Uh, with with you know, except for those exceptions, it's it wouldn't be super wrong what people are expecting most of the time. Yeah. 
And, and I think part of that, I mean, it, it is natural because, there, I mean, there is kind of a focus to, you know, there is like a purpose, you know, we we kind of want songs that, that say something specifically that we all get around on that are simple. Like, I get that. But I find as an artist, like, you know, when I think of songwriters that have really spiritually connected with me uh, over the years, you know, Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, I mean, John Prine, I just did a John Prine tribute earlier today and uh, been digging into a lot of his stuff that I'd never heard before. And I'm like, you know, I mean, even somebody like Tom Petty, like these people, I feel like they were hitting on truth, but it wasn't, I, I think so, so so often when you're writing within a framework or an ideology, right. Your songs can kind of come out as like propaganda for your belief system. Right. Rather than maybe something that's like more meta or deeper under, under the other stuff. Like it's like, if those, if those ideologies or organizations or religions or whatever are trying to, among other things they're trying to do, tap into something that's true or transcendent or, all humans could connect with, which is one of the things art is so good yeah. at. You know that that whatever it is in your chest that any human of any creed or tongue or nation or anything can feel when the good music's happening. Yeah, that thing. It's so interesting how many times, like I think you and I have talked to enough musicians and thought about it enough ourselves. Where I mean, how many times do people talk about feeling something? more transcendent with rare exception than they've even had in like a church or a worship thing but in an arena or in that dive bar or listening to a record on a quiet rainy day there's something that that music you know opens that door whatever that door is oh and i and i think really you know some of my favorite songs over the years that i've listened to from other artists like yeah they're they're songs that maybe the meaning isn't explicit maybe it's something sure I've used this this analogy on my own podcast before, but like, uh, you know, Bob Dylan's song, Blowing in the Wind, you know, in that song, he does nine questions. And then the refrain <laughs> is, and the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. And it's like, well, what the hell kind of answer is that? <laughs> what does that mean? What does this mean? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I think kind of the point of, I don't, I don't know if even Dylan was doing this intentionally, but I think that, you know, to me, like there is, there's so much power in a good question compared to just a tried answer, you know, because, Mm. you know, often, you know, like once you get the answer, you kind of stop searching, you know, you're like, well, you know, I like even a great song from you too, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like, you know, that's one of the most spiritual songs out there, but it got a lot of flack from, from, you know, the Christian community because it's like, well, what do you mean? I believe in the kingdom come, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I'm like, no, oh, this man. this really bears witness because it's it's like you get a taste of these things in your life, but you never you never really see the fulfillment. But that's what yeah. that's what keeps you yearning and seeking. And and I've just felt like over the years, like like with music, I'm a lot more interested in questions, you know, yeah. good questions, and not really trying to. Because I, I I feel like even with music, like if a song just tells me this is what you need to believe. And it's not just for religion. I mean, there's a lot of artists that do this, yeah, you know, even yeah, with politics or, or that. And it's like, I, I just, that's not this. Don't, don't tell me that's not interesting, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But a song that has, that gets to that yearning for truth and beauty and transcendence or gets you to question things like those. I, I really love that stuff. And I'm, I'm a lot more interested 
in as an artist in, in doing those kind of things myself. Um, now I, I still I still you know sing songs in church and stuff, and I'm, I'm so. But I, I think a lot of my journey, particularly the last ten years, is just it got, it got to a point where it's like you know this this is really this is really what I'm I'm supposed to do with my life is is do that, and and it's yeah. you know it's not uh, as a musician. I know it's it's never. Um, it's a hard thing to make a living playing music and writing songs. Uh, and it's getting, it seems to be getting harder every year. Sure. But I and really then a do. pandemic happens. And then a pandemic <laughs> happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, oh, but yeah, so that, that that's a very, uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of answer to uh, uh, your, your initial question. But yeah. Well, but, but I think you've touched on something really important that we were going to get to anywhere, any, uh, anyways, there, you know, with this idea of music as kind of a door to deeper things and a door to transcendence or truth or whatever word makes people, if it's, if we're being honest, whatever word is still not enough and just a a sound we make with our mouth grasping at this feeling we're trying to express. Right. And I think what you said is so interesting to me of the honesty that comes with the question, maybe more than the, than the, the answer. I think, I think there's something in me. I think the word honesty is what came up first because I, I feel like almost all of the very hard and vulnerable but made me connect with or love or trust a person or an idea more, anything that ever made me feel like that came with a question more often than it came with an answer. I I tend to, I think most of us, and I think maybe it's a healthy human skepticism we have, I think we have a tendency to want to trust people less that show up with a bunch of answers, then we, I feel like in an opposite way, we almost innately want to trust the person that just shows up and asks like 20 questions and then leaves. Not, because, because if you're at, and that's the other thing too, right? Because we've both lived in these kind of worlds, not just in the church, in music and friendships, everybody has like, where even someone's questions you find out they really weren't questions because they're just leading to the answer they were trying to get to, which almost makes you mad because yeah, it's, totally. it, they, they disguised it in the one thing that I do want to be interested in, which is big, beautiful questions that, because uh, I think there's something that music, uh, you know, I mentioned this earlier when we were thinking about how I think music has not just transcendent feelings of like something in me felt bigger than maybe what I can see and perceive and maybe something deeper in the world. But even transcendence as far as like just getting me out of my own head and self-isolation oh, and like as as a bigger part of like, oh, these people are in some way part of me and I am part of them. And I think there's something where when you see people listen to a song and it may not even be in their language or it may, like you said, maybe a song that none of us, because of the way the artist did it, truly know what the artist was wanting us to hear in that and that's okay because we're entering into a space of question and i think that's like a really welcoming incredible space i love that man well and And, uh, i think that's one of the cool things about music is that is precisely what you're getting at is that when you hear a song that really resonates with you in a deep way it's like i'm not alone you know i may feel I, i may feel like I'm so alone and there's nobody that thinks the way that I do or feels the way that I do. And, and, yeah. and, a, and a song can break through that in, in a way that nothing else can, you know I mean? It, it's, you know, something much bigger than, than mere words. You know, I was actually, yeah. I, I, I read this book recently. Um, this guy who's a, 
brain scientist, psychiatrist, and philosopher over in England named uh, Ian McGilchrist, and he wrote okay. this bra uh, book called uh, "The Master and His Emissary: The Divided Brain and the Making of the Western World." It's quite a quite a big book. <laughs> That's quite a title and quite a name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it took me a very long time to finish the book, but you know, he gets it at the distinction between right brain and left brain, and 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 how you know the 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 right side of your brain where you have empathy it understands the world in terms of metaphors and relationships yeah. it's the it understands context it sees the big picture your left brain or left side of your brain uh deals with representations it's very yeah. you know focused but he's like you know he, he's bringing up this problem that in the western world we have so been biased towards the left hemisphere, which is very utilitarian, it doesn't think of in terms of metaphor relationships that industry production. Yeah, we've yeah. kind of collapsed the beauty of things into this this one little slice. He was talking in there about like like music in the brain, and I've read a lot of stuff over, about this over the years. And but perhaps one reason that you can listen to one song so many different times and it, it always sounds, <laughs> yeah. sounds fresh is because. You know, music, just listening to music involves like 16 different parts of your brain at one time Whoa. just to listen to it. Like you're saying, like if you were doing one of those neurological scans where yeah. they'll show what part of the brain yeah, is lighting absolutely. up, there's 16 different parts. That's pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, because yeah. some people assume that there's some part of your brain that has to do with music. And, and he's like, no, it's music. Actually, it involves so many different parts of your brain at once. So it's a much richer experience than just hearing somebody talk. Um, wow. And then, yeah. and then, you know, if you, and any, you know, like, like you can listen to like Bach and you hear the same Bach song 50 different times, but your mind can only focus on one different thing at a time. So sure. you may be listening more to the melody or the counter melody or, you know, and, and I think that that's, uh, that's one of the powerful things about music is that it because you have so much stuff coming at you in such a pleasant way. Yeah. Your mind can kind of drift back b between the rhythm, between the words, between all this stuff, but it's like every time you return to a good piece of music, it's like I still love this song. I've been listening to this same song since I was a kid and I still love it and I'm still hearing new things in it and I don't know. I think that gets you in a state where, you know, your analytical mind is shut down and, and you're just you're just in a, in a place of openness. And, and to be able as a as a musician and a songwriter to help create those moments for other other people, you know, we've all you know, those are the best moments ever. Like when you're playing with other musicians. Oh, absolutely. And it's like there's that moment where you're connecting with people and that, there's nothing better. binary world of ones and zeros and we all line up to strike a pose but everyone knows the king has no clothes he gaze at the pixel windows we flee from the depths and wait in the shallows and the court just juggles while standing on his toes but everyone knows the king 
It's interesting when I think of the different parts of the brain, it immediately makes me think of literally like some of the different functions all happening at once in a way that 
doesn't happen in other spaces. No. Like that when you think of the memory part of your brain firing and bringing up a memory of that first time you heard the song, yeah. but the part of your brain that is putting this new room and this new situation into the memory that you're experiencing right then. And then, but that's also connecting with like the smells and the tastes and yeah. the things happening and the social interaction part as you read the room, just like the artist is reading yeah. the room. And even the physical stuff, like the way music can sometimes hit you in like a visceral way, and be, and, and and it would have a hard you would have a hard time describing that to someone, but not really because we've all felt that. Yeah. Like, and then what you're saying too, to be able to be given the, I mean, really the words are like the honor and the privilege to be able to invite people into that space. It is both like a great joy and also feels like something almost has like a responsibility to like steward that well yeah. and to like almost honor the effect that can have on people with like using it for good. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, or, and what feels like good changes a lot for us. It's changed a lot for me. It's probably changed a lot for you. I think I didn't start doing music as young as you said you did, but when you've been doing it for most of your adult life, how you do it and why you do it's changed a bunch. Yeah. But as long as, it feels like you can go to sleep at night with the way you are stewarding the power of music. Yeah. Then I think, I think you're just probably doing the best you can and that's okay. And, and so into that, so, you know, into talking about making these spaces and creating that, I mean, a lot of it is for you and your story, especially in making original music to do that with. Can you talk a little bit about sort of your songwriting experience, uh, leading bands, just some of the kind of, in and outs and your own experience practically with being someone who I'm sure, you know, I've seen you play covers and I'm sure you've got a great cover repertoire, but also you have a very extensive list of tunes you've brought into the world. So can you talk a little bit about songwriter Crispin? Yeah. Songwriting for me, it's, it's an ever, ever evolving process. Um, I've, I've just wrapped up. Um, we, we're we're in the final phases of of kind of getting songs mastered for my newest album. Actually, we'll have another uh, our first single coming out this next week. Hopefully, that's awesome. If I get everything in, <laughs> yeah, time. yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, another another cool thing about music and songwriting, it's like that I love about it. Like I'm I'm 47 years old now, and to me, like. I still have, I, I probably have more childlike wonder with music than I've had in years, but it's like, I, I just feel like, you know, music's not something you can, I mean, unless you're injured or something, you don't get worse at it, you know, you, sure, you can, sure. only, you, you you can only get better. And so, <laughs> oh God, you know, I like, so. I feel, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm always growing as a musician and a songwriter. Uh, it may just be my own illusion, but it, it feels, <laughs> it feels like I'm getting better as sure. I do it. But, you know, I, I would say in my mid twenties when I was really, I, I had a band back at the time called uh, Mary's Den. And we, we had this band together for about six years and we were traveling yeah. around and stuff. And we, most of those songs were that I wrote were kind of the, the band would get some music going and I, I would just like sing out. I'd be inspired by the music, feeling it. And I just kind of, you know, we did a whole lot of songs that we would just kind of compose the song like right there. And then it would actually turn into a song. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it, um, so there was this, you know, I would say for my first like, uh, probably fifteen years of serious songwriting, you know, it was more like I'd sit down, 
get some music going and then just start singing out whatever kind of got inspired by the music. Yeah, yeah, just throw stuff out there while you're playing yeah. the chords that already felt right. Like, yeah. like you're creating a sound vibe and then trying to see what words fit that vibe. Uh, okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. And then about three or four years ago, um, began, or I guess about four years ago, began working on my last album, Following Branches, and that album was, I took a very different approach, which really shook things up um, for me as a songwriter um, in that I wrote most of those songs, probably eight of the 12 songs on that album, I wrote them in about a three-week period. Oh, okay. That's really impressive. I, I think it takes me three weeks to get the song really going and maybe a year to finish it sometimes. So that's well, impressive. <laughs> I have other songs that I started writing 20 years ago that I still haven't finished. So I've got those okay, as well. Sure. So it's uh good. Okay. <laughs> the approach I would take with, with on, on that season was I would sit out on, you know, I'm here on my back porch. I got my porch swing behind me. And this is really where like just about every night where the weather's not bad. I'll list, I'll sit out here and listen to an audiobook or a podcast and then I would go in around 11 o'clock midnight and I would just make myself write stream of consciousness words for like 20 yeah, that, minutes. Those those are very late office hours for oh, songwriting. I love it. That's very <laughs> rock and roll. You're so much more rock and roll than I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, as I heard somebody say one time, uh, it, it's better to write lyrics when you're drinking alcohol and then revise them with caffeine. So I, I, I took that approach. I'd have Ooh, oh my God. a drink or two and I'd sit down and just write stream of consciousness. And then I'd revisit it the next morning and see what I had. And then I would take, so I wasn't even picking up an instrument. I was just writing ideas out. And so, and then I would uh, add the music, you know, see, see let the wor words inspire the music. And so that was okay, a very cool. different approach for me. I, I really hadn't done that much. Um, and I came up with some, you know, I did this one song called uh, When the Machines Woke Up that I actually made a children's book out of about two years ago. Yeah, I, so I saw you posting things about that. If we can do a slight digression. Sure. Because that's just really interesting. That is not, even very experienced musicians have not necessarily done that <laughs> thing. So please tell me a little bit about a really cool song turning into a kid's book because that's freaking <laughs> rad. That's amazing. I love it. I'm a big fan of like science fiction and um I uh one of these nights I was sitting out here on this porch swing I I just started thinking you know like one of the typical science fiction things that comes up a whole lot is you know the idea of artificial intelligence you know is it going to be like right. the terminator or the matrix and then I was like I just had this idea one night I was like what if we create artificial intelligence that's sentient because it's sort of created in our image that it has the same kinds of issues that we have, you know, like yeah, getting bored, working, you know, <laughs> having to having to work a, a, a boring job or, or yeah, go yeah. to relationship <laughs> uh, counseling or, you know, so I, I just, <laughs> I, so I got this one little idea, like when the machines woke up. And so I, I carried around my iPhone for, probably about a week and every time I was driving I was just like trying to think of a new idea so I ended up with like I don't know probably 12 14 verses you know and oh my gosh that's incredible and then I'm like I'm like well I'm not Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen I don't know if I can get away with a song with that many verses so I <laughs> my my first thought was maybe this would be a weird children's book you know um but we, we got into the studio a couple of weeks later and I, I actually wrote some music for it and we, we recorded it. And, but then, you know, 
couple of years after the album came out, I was like, I still think it would be cool to do a children's book, you know, kind of maybe oh, yeah. a children's book for adults or something. But uh, so my friend Rachel, who did the uh, she did the cover art for my last album, I, I said, would you like to maybe try? She'd never done like anything like that before. Sure, and sure. She came up with a storyboard and characters. And next thing I knew, we're, we're doing a children's book. So, I, yeah, I've got That's a children's so book cool. now. <laughs> On artificial just, intelligence. I just love the idea of like two robots like being in couples therapy and just oh, getting yeah. a breakthrough on their issues. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting take on sci fi, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Sorry, that was an interruption. <laughs> no, no, that's I, I love Rabbit Trail. So that so that was the kind of stuff I was doing on that album. And then this album I've kind of, it's kind of to me like, uh, I've, I've never been good at surfing. I've tried a few times, but, but I, I, I hear surfers talk about, you know, looking for the next wave and, and, yeah, and really yeah. feeling that. And, and I feel like as a songwriter, like sometimes I feel like there's a wave coming yeah and I need okay. to get my board ready. And I, I got into a pretty prolific phase on this album where like I wrote two or three songs like back to back in like a couple of days and stuff. Okay. That's almost that like flow state. That's yeah. very rare, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, but a lot of it too is I, I just, I keep a document open on my computer where I just write random lines. And, and so some of these songs have been, I, I interviewed a guy on my podcast, uh, Brian Stoltz uh, last year who, he uh he played with Bob Dylan and um the Neville brothers and I was like, dude, like what is Bob Dylan's approach to writing? And he said, yeah, Oh he's, okay. It's like Bob Dylan, he'd come in the studio, he's just like got stacks of lyrics, like and like for every song Bob Dylan records, he's like there's he throws away like seventy five percent of the lyrics. And he's oh still like he just has like he might have thirty verses for one song that ends up being eight verses and, and he was like you know, if this had been back when there were iPhones, I would have been taking pictures of it and stealing some of his lyrics. But uh. oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> also, what a world when what what a way to live. I don't understand where your cut down song is your eight verses version. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like begging to get the second verse on some songs, like just begging the universe to give me words. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. But I I think that that whole kind of stream of consciousness way of song like like that's kind of like what bob dylan has been doing for so long is and so i've tried to take more of that discipline to just like sit down you know on a regular basis with my computer even if it's just for five minutes and just write yeah, yeah. something write something it may be one line it may be a paragraph but i keep these things and then you know there's some nights where it's like i'll get a musical idea and then instead of and 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 then I'll just go look at the lyrics. I'm like, is there anything here that this music kind of inspires? So, you know, yeah, I feel yeah. like my current approach is a is a bit of a hybrid between my last two approaches. But I, I find, you know, even even on the recording music side on this album, you know, we I think it's always important to to put yourself in uncomfortable places. Yeah. OK. So we we intentionally didn't track hardly any guitar for the album until we had almost all the songs recorded you know and then i i forced myself to kind of not do the go-to things that i would have done you know like i would normally play a hammond organ here well i'm not going to play the hammond organ i'm going to make myself play a synth here or you know okay um, sweet and it's i just think in the process of cre the creative process like ways that you can 
keep yourself from getting stuck in a creative rut is like yeah. continuing to figure out ways to throw yourself off center where you're in a new world and, and your possibilities are limited in some way and, and your new territory. Because I, you know, I think back to, I mean, it's, I, I learned play, I learned how to play good, you know, the basics of guitar. I took a few months lessons when I was 20, got my basic chords, but I mean, within three months I'm writing songs on the guitar and, and actually some of the songs I wrote on the guitar back then, like, I wrote them out of ignorance, you know, like I didn't know, like, you know, you probably wouldn't normally go to this chord progression here, you know? Sure. But there was a freedom. There's like a freedom yeah. in it doesn't have to go this way. And so you break the mold without knowing there was a mold. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because yeah. It, like, like when I play the piano, my, my most comfortable instrument, like I know a lot about the piano, a lot more than I know about guitar and so sometimes when I feel like I'm getting in a rut on writing songs on the piano, well, then I'll move to guitar uh, because I know or or even take some other instrument that I, I know very little, you know, like like mandolin or something and, and yeah. force myself to or, or accordion or something, you know, something that just gets me out of uh, my standard ways of doing it. And a lot of times, even on this album and even my, my previous album, I'll take a song that I wrote on guitar and then I'll move it to piano, which causes me like, okay, now I'm divorcing it from this 16th note rhythm. Now I've got to break it down to this, or I'll take a song that I wrote on piano and move it to guitar. Yeah. And I think, I think the, those kinds of things are very interesting to me, the way you can just kind of throw yourself off balance. And, and it really, I, I think it, it not only keeps you from kind of getting stuck creatively, but it just, continues to open you up to new possibilities that you never would have thought of and then when you you throw in some other amazing musicians on top of that with their own ideas it's like yeah yeah so fun yeah doing all the things you're saying and then adding the collaboration and the invitation for those other folks to try it differently yeah because it's one thing if like you were doing all of that and your drummer came in and kind of just did what they always did and crushed it but you could also invite your drummer in and challenge the drummer to do the same kind of thinking and be like, okay, do the next beat you think of after the one that immediately would seem right and yeah. fall back and the one you would do just naturally for this song, do the next thing you think of. And let's yeah. just like see what weird thing. And like the freedom to, because you're saying this in the writing and, and then even in the studio or in the performing of it, like giving yourself permission to not pre-censor and yeah. pre-edit it, especially in these non-live you can't really fail spaces like that's what gets me all the time is how much pressure I put on myself in the spaces where I literally can't even like screw it up or no one's watching like it's very hard to do the things you want to do eventually or do more if you already do it like taking risk in live settings you know like you've played styles of music that actually involve a lot of improv and things yeah. that I haven't necessarily done but maybe it's singing the melody a little different because you've always wanted to sing the song even if it's a basic me and a guitar tune and you've always felt this alternate melody up here and you never go for it like it's really hard to work up the energy to do that when you are in a live space where someone's watching and there is some possibility yeah. to whatever you know kind of bomb it's very hard to practice that vulnerability there if you haven't been practicing it when the only thing judging you or saying you're sucking is your inner critic that you could be oh, yeah. trying to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> and so, which is not easy. I, it's not oh, an easy yeah. thing, but, no. but, but I mean, you've got to do it in those spaces or, or how else are you going to do it elsewise, you know? Uh, and, well, and, and so thinking about that too, in live performance stuff. So I 
you know, before the world ended, you know, because we've been talking about we've done live streams and, yeah. you know, us and everyone we know is trying to find new ways to do all this. But in a world we remember and one hopefully the we'll see again. Yeah, right. February 2020. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like like every meme that was like new me, new year. And then by yeah. March, it's just the person laying on the ground. <laughs> yeah. It's just so. You said this what, year was about clarity. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. For real. Jeez. But uh, so in the world that we also hope we will get to see again. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of your favorite things about the live music experiences you get to have? You know, what bands are you playing with right now? What is, you know, this last season, maybe last couple of years, maybe what is live music felt like in this season of life? Or maybe even like one of your favorite moments or something. I just, you know, as someone who performs as prolifically and well as you do, I'd like to just hear a little bit of what it's like, you know, in your performing world right now. Oh yeah, th- this last year has been a probably one of my favorite years playing live um in, in a good long time. Um like even this this album that that we're working on, like I it's not like I really planned on doing an album right now, but um I don't know if you do you know Bobby McDonald? I don't know. Oh, maybe um Bobby McDonald does he um, does he play bass? Yeah. Is this the, okay? Yes, I do know Bobby. Yes. So, so this is like the third project that me and Bobby have kind of uh, collaborated on. So, you know, he's he's one of my best friends, and we uh, he lives in kind of the Houston area, uh, and ironically, both of our sons are best friends, so they're they're always hanging <laughs> That's out cool. online. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was probably last May. Uh, I had some gigs lined up over here, and. You know, on a lot of my gigs right now, just for brevity's sake, just just because it's easier to pay three people than to pay two, uh, to four people. I've I've started playing bass with my left hand, running a, a bass sound to an amp, and then you know yeah. playing the keys and singing and power of the keyboard. That's yeah, pretty so cool. I can, yeah, I love it. I can have me and a drummer, and I, I usually got a sax player, and and we we play gigs locally. Um, but I I had a, a some some good gigs lined up that I could afford to you know have a horn section guitar and 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 i got bobby to come in and play bass and i said bobby while you're here why don't you bring your your studio equipment and i said i i got this drummer that's been playing with me and i'd like to see how he is in the studio this this guy's name's uh jermaine hart he grew up playing gospel stuff in church so he's just okay i gotcha but oftentimes you know some drummers who are really good live aren't really good in the studio because the studio is such a weird experience you know totally different world but we we set up actually in our church building we set up and and we got jermaine over there and we're just going to try out a few songs so i sent him some demos and and he comes in there and so we tracked most of this album uh with the exception of a couple of songs we tracked it with bass, drums, keyboards, and vocals all live in the room. So the basics of the songs were all tracked live. Okay, sweet. But we get done with the first night of recording with with Jermaine, and me and Bobby are sitting out here on my porch later that evening having a drink, and we're like, I guess we're making a record now. <laughs> yeah, okay. This It's like literally this is too good. Now we have to make a record. <laughs> yeah, because the, the, I, I mean, I have to say for me, like, and, and probably – probably because of the the music the types of music that I play I'm I'm more picky about drums than probably any other instrument and it's sure it, oh yeah it's it's really challenging to find because my stuff tends to go all over the place from like gospel and funk and blues to to Americana you know and and 
And I find there's some drew, drummers who are great for Americana, but the, you get them out of that wheelhouse, they they can't move into this other thing. This guy Jermaine was just incredible and he, and creative. He brought a lot of stuff to the table, and so it was this, you know, being able to track the stuff live. It's like, you know, and I just told him, you know, like you, you know, you interpret it the way you. I'm, I'm gonna, you, you're the drummer. I have some ideas. And uh, it turns out his ideas were better. <laughs> so. That's amazing when you can find a drummer who can, because that's really, I mean, the we were talking about the weight of music sometimes, uh, you know, like when we're thinking of maybe as the songwriter, maybe in the overarching like vision way, like what does this yeah. mean for people? What does this do? But in, in the realm of people holding a lot of power. The drum, the drums hold oh, yeah. so much power to make do. bad songs trick you into thinking they're amazing, or incredible songs very hard to listen to. Yes, <laughs> very yes. very hard to get through. And so, man, to have that and someone who can move in the versatility of all those different styles and live in an amazing like pocket of groove, no matter what you're playing, that's yeah. a rare thing. That's pretty incredible that you found somebody. And it, it and it is a it's a it's such an interesting thing to find like a drummer who who is really good who's who's not overplaying or you know um, but it, it's just hard in general I think to find musicians who think about making the song better you know because a lot of musicians we you know tend to think about their own part but it it doesn't really sure. add to the whole. And, you know, we hit that that really good combination. And, and, and then we added, we got, you know, the, that's the one thing about living down here. I mean, within, you know, most of the musicians on, on my album are within just a few miles from my house. But some of these are, are you know, world class, you know, like we got this pedal steel guy um, who plays jazz pedal steel. Okay, whoa. Yeah. Jazz pedal steel, His that's so His name's cool. uh, Dave Easley <laughs> and... We brought him like we were, we tracked the stuff with me and Bobby and Jermaine, and then we. I'm like, I'd like to hear how crazy would it be to throw pedal steel on a song like this, and then this dude comes in and just totally kicks ass, and yeah. then, <laughs> so we got like one song that's like a reggae song that he played pedal steel, jazz pedal steel on, and it's. <laughs> It's like yeah, so, sweet jazz so pedal steel reggae. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so, I freaking love that. <laughs> I I have to say, you know, when I have the opportunity to like play, you know, it, it's still hard to find a lot of gigs where I can pay musicians and actually do. I you know, if I if I had it my way, I would be doing stuff with a, a, a six piece, seven piece band all the time. It's just hard to find enough gigs to to pay the bills. So I'm sure. I'm kind of yeah. doing this. I do a lot of. You know, probably about a fourth of the stuff I do is full band. Then I do a lot of solo uh, gigs. But you know, it's it's definitely there's no there's no better drug out there than than getting a good combination of musicians who are all hitting together. Man, it's like you 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 get a taste of that. It's like you, you you'll do crazy things to keep making that happen. <laughs> yeah, for real, jeez. <laughs> So we have reached the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you will tune in again to the next episode where Crispin and I will continue our talk getting into more things practical and metaphysical in our very fun conversation I was thankful to have. Once again, I hope you know that you are never alone and that myself and many, many others around you would love to talk and process or just give you a place to sit and to vent during this crazy time. 
please do not hesitate to contact me. I want to be a listening space as, as so many of you have been for me. Thank you again to supporters on Patreon. Be on the lookout for the next episode of The Freakin' Radcast, the show that is just for you on patreon.com slash Milligan. We will see you next episode. Go check out all of Crispin's work in the meantime. I'll see you then.